You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. Last episode, we spoke to Anthony Duncan of the International Mountain Bicycling Association. It's no secret that many are frustrated with IMBA, but the new IMBA local program tells me that they're listening. They've taken the feedback concerning the old chapter program, and they've given it a complete overhaul. The new program is certainly complex, but anything that comes with that kind of customization normally is. And it will require that organizations do their homework to understand what will work best for them. But that's the advantage. Each community can find the best fit for them. And add-ons can be taken advantage when you're ready. This episode, we're going to explore the changes that have happened at the board level of IMBA. Following through with the promise, IMBA has now included chapter representation on their executive board. And that's what we're going to dig into today. I'm your host, Brent Hillier, and this is episode 35 of Frontlines. Just a reminder that you can support the show by visiting the Frontlines Book Club. Just go to frontlinesmtb.com and click on the book club page. The first three recommendations are each unique. The first is On Trails, an exploration by Robert Moore. It's a philosophical look at what trails are to us as creatures on this planet. The second recommendation, The End of Membership as We Know It by Sarah L. Slotik, is a look at membership organizations and how they can evolve with the rapid introduction of new technology and the shifting values of younger generations. And the final recommendation is This I Know, Marketing Lessons from Under the Influence by Terry O'Reilly. It's a helpful guide for those looking to better brand and promote anything, including your local trail organization. Now on with our discussion. As mentioned in previous episodes, it's important to recognize that during this episode, when my guests and I are referring to IMBA, we're referring to the U.S. version of IMBA. All other IMBAs, including IMBA Canada, IMBA Europe, IMBA Argentina, and IMBA UK, simply license the IMBA name from IMBA US. Now, my guest is Ernest Rodriguez. In addition to being the president of the Mid-Atlantic Off-Road Enthusiasts, he's the newest board member for IMBA and holds the brand new chapter representation position. Hi, Ernest. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate your show and uh, glad to be on it. Oh, thanks so much. How long have you been with the the Mid-Atlantic Off-Road Enthusiasts and, and how did you get involved with the organization originally? So I'll answer... I guess in different parts. Uh, so this is my third term as president, and uh, I've got friends who say I shouldn't do it, and I've got friends that say, you know, thank you for doing it. So uh, <laughs> third term, so that would be six years, um, and I'm just starting it. So that's five years in office because I was a advocacy director for a year before that. And how did I get to this point is uh, – kind of funny because I'm kind of like most people. It's like, oh, wow, man, these are great trails. I love it. Uh, this is a lot of fun. This Here's our little social networking 
you know, we're expanding, we're riding different trails, we're learning about trails in the area, we're taking mountain bike vacations and going places and learning, and then all of a sudden, it dawns on you, it's like, you know, somebody built this trail. I think I should help. <laughs> and then and then starts the, okay, how about I throw some money at it? Okay, how about I go to work day? And then after a while, it's like, you know what, that's not enough. Uh, I really do need to give back. And that's when I got involved uh, working with trail liaisons and then becoming the advocacy director and then eventually becoming president of this wonderful organization, which I got a plug, riding bikes and building trails since 1992. Mm -hmm. And we've got over 600 miles of trails and 48 parks and very well respected in, in the community. Awesome. Uh, so last episode, we heard from Anthony Duncan about the the new IMBA local program. And, and he mentioned that your position with uh, with IMBA, so you're a board member uh, with IMBA, and, and you are kind of uh, chapter representation. And, and so uh, that should help provide IMBA, the IMBA board with uh, the chapter's perspective a little bit more. And, and the board position was created uh, last fall or last year in the fall. What was the, the process of, of you being selected for that position? Well, I think it was very fortunate in that, you know, I'd been reading all the messaging, excited about Dave Weens, and they had a meeting here in D.C. So, of course, I volunteered to, you know, help out, and um, they didn't need my help, but they did invite me to a happy hour. So my executive director, a couple of key volunteers, and myself, went out and we met a couple of the, the leaders and talked to them for a while. And I asked them, I said, uh, so what's this uh, chapter representation? What's this all about? So they answered a few key questions. I asked a few more questions and realized that, you know, this might be an opportunity for, for me to give back in a bigger way. So I volunteered. I eventually was asked to come out to Minneapolis to attend a meeting so they could look at me, I could look at them. So I did that. And quite frankly, I was surprised that they offered an invitation after that because I didn't hold back. I just said, hey, wh what are we doing here? Why, what's our motivation for this? What, what's going on? So I did represent the chapters and I think that, you know, proud of EMBA because they recognized that and they weren't afraid to pull in a chapter representative who was going to, you know, speak his mind and say, this is what's going on in my chapter. And this is, you know, some of the issues that we've got going and that we have to deal with. And what's that role been like so far? Well, so far it's been two and a half meetings because the one in Minneapolis was, I count as a half meeting because it was like, they're looking at me, I'm looking at them. And then we did have another meeting in Riverside, California, which I thought was fantastic because we brought in some local organizations, had some good interaction, went for a ride, uh, discussed all kinds of business, and then we had a very short phone meeting in December. So, so, so far it's been good. Uh, I still think that I'm getting my feet wet, which I think I, I can get into it a little easier because I serve on a couple of other boards. So I think I know what to expect, but it's also learning the ropes and, you know, figuring out where my place is and what I have to contribute and how receptive the board is. 
Moore is the largest uh, IMBA chapter, at least one of the largest IMBA chapters, and and you cover a, a fairly large geographic area as well. Um, and this gives you a bit of a, a unique perspective as far as a chapter president. But how can the voice of, let's say, a, a smaller chapter like in Montana or an organization on the other side of the country in California or an organization in Minnesota, how can they share their unique perspectives with the IMBA board? So I'm glad you asked that question because you did say you talked to Anthony. So hopefully Anthony told you about the uh, feedback mechanism that we're trying to get started here. So uh, Andy Williamson, Anthony Duncan, and myself have been trying to put together planning for how will organizations, and notice I didn't say chapters, I said organizations because we want to be broad spectrum. How do we set up to have feedback, to be able to listen and to be able to bubble up ideas. Because as in the past, you could always contact a board member. But I think that formally setting up an infrastructure to feed things through, you know, the chapter representative is just an improvement on that process. So it's it's great to hear the the kind of the shift in language and how you're you're talking about um chapters and 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 other organizations as well so you know this feedback is not just coming from imba chapters but from smaller organizations that might not be part of the the imba chapter program and 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 that's that's fantastic but in addition how important is kind of this intra-organization communication so clubs talking to each other and and leaning on each other for for help it's vital because I mean, at the end of the day, you don't want everybody to reinvent the wheel. And if there's a proven mechanism or if it's been done somewhere else, for example, BLM, if you ride BLM, it's all out west and there's one little dot on the east coast. That's ours. And it's because of a volunteer and it's because a volunteer started doing the outreach and it's because the executive director and, you know, other, you know, advocacy directors started meeting with BLM and they finally said, yes. So we started with a small footprint and made it larger. So same thing with these other organizations. You don't have to be an IMBA chapter or an IMBA associate or an IMBA affiliate. If you say, I have opportunity to develop trails, I'm going to reach out to a local club. Chances are that local club is going to help you because at the end of the day, we want to ride each other's trails. So we have an incentive to help each other. And that's to build community, to build trails and to share riding opportunities. So yeah, we wanna help. And I'm so glad that IMBA Local now recognizes that and lets people engage at whatever level that they're able to engage. And if they wanna move up that food chain to get all services or to pay a la carte or do whatever they can, then they're welcome to do so. And I think one of the most important things about IMBA Local is that networking, that ability to contact each other, share documents, share methodologies, and and share results. So I I know this is a a hypothetical, but is this going to mean that that chapters will have some influence over IMBA policy going forwards? Oh my God, I hope so. Because, I mean, basically we're community. So if we're not involving our community, then I don't think we're relevant. So, so yes, uh, 
I'm very proud of Chris and the board for number one, recognizing that we need to have some representation and number two to committing to saying, yes, we're going to listen. So I think that's huge. So I think that's a great question is, you know, what is the expectation? So the expectation should be that we're going to listen and we're going to consider those opinions in our decisions moving forward. Yeah. And I think right now we're seeing the, the IMBA local program as, as great initiative that is coming off of listening to what chapters are wanting and, and what clubs that aren't chapters are, are wanting as well. And, and so I think that's a, a great sign that things are, are shifting and things are changing at IMBA and, and that there is this listening that's happening right now, which is fantastic. On the topic of, of IMBA policy, I need to ask about the, the testimony concerning H.R. 1349, and, and that's the bill that would amend the Wilderness Act to allow bikes on some trails. It's known that this strategy belongs to the Sustainable Trails Coalition, and IMBA has chosen other paths. But what was the reason behind IMBA volunteering this statement? I think we all agree it was a mistake. So... Bottom line, we should have not said anything because words matter. And nobody seems to understand that not support doesn't mean oppose. But in our community, words matter and they have meanings. So our general community thinks, oh, my God, you you broke an agreement. You're attacking. You're doing bad things. And I think at the end of the day, uh, my conversation with Ted Stroll was very, very good because he looked at it as, okay, how can we move forward? How can we unite our community? And I think that's what we need to focus on is say, okay, we probably should have remained silent on this issue because anything we say is going to be looked at, you know, with a microscope. So we need to do everything that we can to unite our community. And I think you said it best is, you know, different people have different views and they attack a problem in different ways. So just because we would not take the actions that another organization is doing doesn't mean that that is not a viable action that might yield results. And at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want to ride our bikes and we want to have access to places to ride our bikes and we want to unite our community and then share our experiences to be inclusive with our community. Now, some have, have said that, that because IMBA is the, the organization in the United States, it is the governing body or, or, or the, the, the representative for uh, the entire country that, that there's an obligation that if there's something related to mountain biking, uh, even remotely, and, and, and this particular bill is directly related to mountain biking, that there's a responsibility for, for IMBA to provide testimony with it. And that IMBA has done this in the past for other bills. You know, can IMBA just, just not say anything in that moment? Can they just choose to, to not testify at all, to, to not volunteer any information? Or is that the responsibility of IMBA to at least say something? So that's a great question. And I'm going to point to my learning curve and I am going to point to my ignorance with legislation. So to me, if you're the brand authority, because that, that's what I would look at it is, because 
I think to be an authority, you have to be empowered. And with the number of people that are actually numbers, I'm not so sure that that's a direct correlation, but I do think that IMBA has done some great things to build brand and has become a brand authority and therefore has a responsibility. So, so that part of the question I totally agree with. Now, can we legally say, oh, no comment? Um, I think that has you know pros and cons. So was it a good thing? Was it a bad thing? I think we agree that it turned out not so good. But really what's important is how do we move forward and how do we unite this community? It touches on this, this underlying challenge with, um, with advocacy and, and this, you know, from, from this example, it's a, it's a, a larger scale, but the same is true within each little riding community and, and any trail organization, no matter how big or small is there's the way things are and, and the process that it takes to get permission to maintain trails or to work with a land manager to try to develop uh, new trails. But then there's the perceptions of the public and, and the, the mountain bike community itself. And, and oftentimes us trying to build and maintain a brand with those people, especially when we're dealing with, with memberships. I mean, the vast majority of trail associations, um, you know, 99% of mountain bike trail associations rely on membership. And so as a, as a, as a membership organization, you need to have branding, you need to, to appear relevant, but at the same time, there's things that are happening in the background that are challenging and take time and don't necessarily help with that branding of getting things done and, and, and getting work done. How do we balance these two as, as an organization, whether it's, it's, you know, organization like more or an organization like Imbo or an even smaller organization, how do you balance making sure that the public is happy, but also doing what you're, you're, you're tasked to do, which is being an advocate within your community and working with land managers. Again, great question. You know, how do we move forward with balance between advocacy and education, especially in the wilderness? Because this does point to one of the root cause problems that we've had long-term at EMBA. You know, people have told us for years, you don't communicate, you don't reach out, you don't do things like this. Well, one of the issues that we're having right now is we're not taking advantage of the opportunities, which is now we've lost funding, we've lost our budget, and you know regional directors have been repurposed. They still want to be out in that community, and often they are out in that community. But if I don't have a, a travel budget for them, then we're really limiting them, and then we're surprised by the results. So we really do need to do a better job of educating, getting – and back to the previous question is we've got to say why. So if we say not support, we got to say what it means. We got to say why we're taking that position. We're, we've got to give a reason for each underlying issue. And then we've got to recognize that our partners are also working with us. STC doesn't hate us. We don't hate STC. We just have different methods of getting to where we want to get to. And we can agree on some things, but we don't have to agree on everything. So going forwards, what, um, what are you most excited about with, uh, with IMBA and with all of these changes happening? You know, the, 
what I what I maybe might call the new Imba. What are you most excited by it? Okay, so instead of answering your question directly, I'm going to start with my greatest fear. <laughs> my ahead. greatest fear is is that I broke Imba. You know, it's like, oh my God, I just got here and I broke it. So, so that's my greatest fear. Now I'll get to your real question. You know, what do I want out of it? What do I what do I see as my contribution? How do I want to move forward? So, I want to become part of that solution. I really do want to unite our community. I really do want to have inclusivity. I really do want to branch out. I really do want to be able to say, we have a million members, or we have a million associates, or we're somehow related to this community, and this community has a voice, and we listen to that voice. And not that, you know, everybody who has an opinion gets that opinion acted upon because sometimes you, you've got to stratify and associate those opinions to say, okay, so what's best? How are we best going to gain access? How are we best going to educate our community? How do we best address that person who's really being horrible when they're writing? They're not saying hello to people. They're running over people. They're, you know, they're giving us a bad image. How do we address that? So at the end of the day, I think we do need to become representatives of that, be inclusive, help educate, and then help build what Imba started, which was the brand. Because now mountain biking itself is a brand and we have to recognize that and we have to be a good citizen of our community and be responsive to that. So that's what I would hope to be involved in. And that's what I would hope would be the final product of being associated with Imba. So if, uh, if I can get you to switch hats for, for a moment, I want to ask you a, a more related question. And, uh, and that is the, there's the more, uh, strategy retreat and, uh, and what is it? When does it happen? So the more strategic retreat happened in November for us. It had been probably three years since we had had our last one. You know, it's not something on the tip of everybody's tongue. While everybody wants it, it's extremely difficult to schedule and to get everybody to agree. And there's a lot of things that go into it. And for us, questions is is what was the driving force and and getting on the same page and making sure that you know we're bringing issues from our membership to a place where we have more than just a couple of hours a month to discuss it and to set up for the following years and to revisit strategies that we've been working on for years. I mean, and a good example is youth and women's programs. So yeah, we've had that on our books for years and we've been doing things, but we really need to devote some time to figure out, you know, what's going right, what's not going so well, and how can we improve it? And how can we establish additional committees to look into this? So a strategic retreat is vitally important to measure your health, to figure out where you're at, and determine where you want to go, and then enable people to move forward to get there. And I guess, especially for a group like yours that is is so large, I mean, chances are people are having to drive quite a ways just to to make board meetings. I would assume you've you've got 
probably representatives spread out uh, across the region. And so it, it would be challenging to get everybody, even on a monthly basis, you know, for two hours for a board meeting in one place. It's extremely difficult, especially with the traffic around here. So we try to have them in centralized locations that are metro accessible. And even then, you know, it, it's extremely difficult. So that is one of the issues from recruiting new board members because there's many people who are qualified and have a desire, but they just, you know, are unwilling to deal with the difficulties of, oh my God, I got to go to that meeting again and I got to drive so many places. So we try to schedule our board meetings around the Beltway so that, you know, different people can experience (laughs) either good or bad traffic to get there or, you know, good or bad commute. Uh, One of the other issues of the strategic retreat is we all have places that we love to go and we can find places that are fantastic, um, not too far from the metropolitan area, but we wind up going out of town for a couple of reasons. Number one, it does take an effort, but when you get there, you're there. And one of the things that has come from our strategic retreat is our board members that said, yeah, really, it happened during tossing the Frisbee. That's when we really made that decision. So it, it really tells you that we don't just turn it off. You know, we all cook breakfast together. We have breakfast. We have a meeting. We have lunch. We go for a ride. We come back. We toss the Frisbee, you know, and you keep thinking about improvements and how to make things better and how to involve additional volunteers and how to remain relevant to our communities that, that we're trying to serve. As much as the challenges of trying to, to schedule those can be, the, the benefits are, are massive. And, and so, you know, if it's something that can only be done on a, on a three-year basis, uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, if, if any organization out there has that opportunity, I think it would be uh, crucial for them to, to try to do something similar. So good news is uh, my board itself has decided that we need to have this yearly. And it just so happened that the place that we had him was free and it's free again next year. So, you know, that's a huge incentive. So all we really have to do is drive there and then we can, you know, we can work out arrangements for, you know, food and drink and stuff, you know, amongst ourselves. So, so it's not a huge expense. Uh, It doesn't cost the club anything other than time of those involved what's on the horizon for more? Oh, I have so many fantastic liaisons and they all have fantastic projects that they're working on. I mean, we're looking at, you know, legalizing some watershed trails that, you know, we've been riding for years, but, you know, sometimes it's don't ask, don't tell. And that team out there has been fantastic at working with the city, working with the, the property owners and the land managers, trying to finally legalize it. So we're, we've already got the stewardship agreement in place for 15 years, and now we're working out the details of the final approval of all the trails because uh, we had to do an inventory of the trail. And that's just one area. There's another area where, you know, that community is just putting together multi-user group events to bring community together around trails. So they do everything trail related, including paddling. Another community 
coming together, building trails where there never have been trails, where we've been underserved, where there's a lack of beginner trails. And, you know, now we have a brand that we were able to build upon with Emba. So now the Moore brand and the Emba brand together gets us in the door with land managers and we're able to expand our network. Another area, I've just been asked to write a white paper for tourism resulting from bicycling and specifically address, you know, people coming in from out of town. So on a yearly basis, we have a huge event called the Moco Epic in Maryland. Well, now Virginia wants to get in on the action. So they're listening because we've leveraged our brand. We've leveraged our events. We speak with a voice of membership and, you know, we continue to move forward uh, with different land managers. Uh, I'm, I'm personally excited that we've got meetings coming up with National Park Service. And usually those had been, okay, nice to meet you. See you next year. And this time, I think that we are moving forward. We've got meetings with the District of Columbia. They're incorporating us into their planning for, you know, some of their public resources. So so I'm excited about what we're doing here in, in Moorland, if, if you will. But it's not because of me. It's because of our fantastic leadership that has vision and then they have the desire to execute. And, you know, what, what my executive director and I do is we go out and we meet with them and we support liaisons and make sure that they have you know, tools, equipment, um, background materials, whatever they need to keep moving forward. Awesome. How can people get in touch with you if, they, uh, if they're interested? Oh, anytime at president at more, M-O-R-E dash M-T-B dot org. Perfect. Well, Ernie, thanks so much for taking the time to, to chat with me and, and being candid. I, I really appreciate it. No problem. I want to not only thank Ernie, but also Anthony Duncan and Eleanor Blick at IMBA. You can find more information about Ernie's position and IMBA in the show notes. And that's where you'll also find links to support the show. If you're looking for a new read, then go to the book club page and purchase one of the recommendations from Amazon. Amazon will then take some of those proceeds and send them to the podcast via their affiliate program. You can also support the show via PayPal. This show is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Without those donations, this show could not continue. I'd like to thank Mountain Equipment Co-op for their support of the show through their social media grant. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at FrontlinesMTV. And you can stream the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And if you haven't already, leave the show a review on wherever you get it from. It helps others find the show. Now you can send me an email or audio file at FrontlinesMTV at gmail.com. Next episode, we'll finally be diving into the topic of e-bikes, and my guest will be Drew Engelman of Yamaha Bicycles. I want to hear your feedback as well, so send me an email. As always, music is provided by Lee Rosevere, production notes by Jennifer Pride. Artwork is created by Brandon Gallagher-Watson and BGW Creative. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening, and happy trails.